0: Hey guys, I'm Danny
1: and I'm EJ and this is the Your Living Proof Podcast,
0: where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Your Living Proof Podcast.
1: We are here.
0: Look how good I sound. (laughs) These microphones are amazing. They make you sound better than you do. But this is episode 58 and we're excited to be here.
1: So excited!
0: It's been a really fun week for us.
1: It, is that it a good actually word? has. No, it. I'm like, with all the work we've been doing, it was we had a payday. We had a payday this week. Yeah, for sure.
0: Hey, it and if you awesome. listen to our podcast, or you have in the past, we now have a YouTube channel. Yes, and you can see the blazer that my <laughs> wife is wearing today. Yeah. So if you're just listening to this and you're curious, it's bright orange.
1: And listen, I used to think. All right, I still think I'm like, I can't imagine listening to a podcast on YouTube. But I did discover that on YouTube, you can like, because I never listen to podcasts on regular speed. I'm always at like one and a quarter or one and a half. And you can actually change the speed on YouTube, which is really really nice to know. If you like to watch people, like you like to see them while they're talking, now we have a YouTube channel. You people can see do. Us and you can listen you can to st- it fast.
0: Still do it on the treadmill yeah. or the stair climber. Yep, totally. So it was an exciting week. Um, it's always a humbling week. This two days ago, May first. I don't know when this will come out, this episode. But May first marked my 16 years of sobriety. Yep. And we had one heck of a party.
1: We we did. It was honestly like sometimes I think you get little glimpses of heaven, and it the party kind of felt like that. Like it felt like family, and it just felt like a celebration, and just. So many positive things were going on. It was was. amazing.
0: May is the, you know, now one of the top trending months of the year, which is mental health awareness. So we kind of kick started that off, celebrated a little bit, but we packed an auditorium full of families and people who all had someone they loved struggling.
1: Yeah. Some of them,
0: what was cool is they were all at different levels. Like some of them had their loved one that might currently be in treatment. Yes. Or maybe they're currently incarcerated. Maybe they're lost on the street, or maybe they're like three months into their recovery. They were just all there because they wanted what? They wanted to know how to better support them.
1: Yeah, that was that's what was Super so cool. cool, and I I thought it was awesome because there were you know some influencers there, and then some you know mostly just regular people like me and Danny. And what's interesting was because of the subject matter, no matter what, everybody took their mask off and left it at the door. Yeah. And when we were in that auditorium, the feeling was so vulnerable and raw because of that. It
0: was cool. People's was pain awesome. was a unifier. It yeah. was, just brought everybody together. Yeah. We even brought our son. It, he knows he knows our oldest son is 12. He knows my story. Yeah. But he's really good. He's probably better with adults than his kids his age. But he he wanted to come and help.
1: Yeah, and he did. And he helped a ton, like set up and... and but
0: tell him what happened after because it was cool.
1: Yeah, it was so cool. It was actually fun because we were um, sitting on stage and, so, and he was sitting in the audience. So I could see him. You know, other people spoke before Danny spoke. Um, Mike Smith from the Utah Jazz and then Todd Sylvester. And they both just knocked it out of the park. Just had some awesome, awesome, impactful messages. But... When Todd Sylvester introduced Danny, he, um, you know, said, everybody give him a round of applause. Today is his actual 16th year of sobriety. And I was not expecting this, but people started standing up and the entire room stood up within a, a matter of moments, seconds, and gave Danny a standing ovation that, like, wouldn't stop. <laughs> like, and and it was... It was so powerful and I looked at my son and I could see him sobbing and I was like oh my gosh like I wasn't even anticipating him like seeing this and witnessing it. So he he watched the you know everything he participated in the event like any everybody else did we get in the car we're driving home and he said hey mom and dad can I can I tell you guys something and we're like yeah go ahead. And he's like,
0: he's like, I really need your attention.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was like, can I have your attention? Cause we were talking about, you know, a million things. He's like I just and he want got to tell choked you up.
0: So he got, he got our attention. Yeah.
1: He started to cry and he said, I have never been more proud to have you both as my parents. You're really making a difference in this world. And I am so grateful that my last name is Deaton. Yeah. And I was not expecting that at all but truly. Well, and the
0: reason why to put context is because it's not
1: it was a glamorous your story. It, it was, was
0: but it's also a difficult thing to yes. know that one of your parents experienced something like that. Yes. It's gotta be difficult. So you, as a parent you also wonder, like, gosh, did I taint my how they perceive me? Like yeah. have I kind of ruined that? Have I, you know, done harm by them knowing? He knows my story. He's always known the story, but he had a chance to really see it in a different light. Yeah, see it in
1: a different light. And he actually said, you know what the takeaway is, mom?
0: Yeah, it's 12.
1: (laughs) 12 years old. You know what the takeaway is? No matter how embarrassing your story gets or how hard it is, you can always make the choice to change. And I was like. That was cool. Oh, okay. It was really you cool. Got We're it. like
0: sweet. If we accomplish nothing else tonight,
1: yeah, we did that. Our, our son gets it, so it was awesome. We I mean, we
0: do want to talk about something important today, like, because I want to talk about the beginning of the journey. Yes, everyone loves like standing on that stage. When I got the standing ovation, I started crying, and I actually felt weird. I had this moment where I was like, "Stop, stop, stop!" Yeah, because I didn't want that recognition. Yeah, why? Because of where it had started. Everyone loves to tell their story or stand on a stage and receive an applause when they're standing where I am. Right. So today what we want to talk about is what it was like in the beginning.
1: Yeah. I really, as we thought hey, about hey, this
0: before we get into that, I have to jump off because Oh. my scatterbrain, okay. <laughs> I'm going to introduce a word and we're going to talk about this later on. There's a word kratom. If you've heard it, you already know it's a problem. If not, we're going to do an episode on this because Working in the trenches like I do in the last week or two, this has been one of the topics that's come up more than anything else. Kratom. Cool. Okay. It's a new drug out there that is not yet recognized by the FDA as illegal. Actually, you can buy it almost anywhere. At some grocery stores or gas stations. It's a plant from Southeast Asia. Okay. It's comes from the coffee family. When a person takes this, I think a lot of people are doing it. I, I'm not a doctor, but a lot of people are doing it in the beginning stages as Some sort of natural herb supplement that does what? It calms them down. Mm -hmm. But what has quickly happened is people have found out if they double or triple the recommended dose, okay, the recommended dose is what allows people to sell it legally. But if they double or triple the recommended dose, which is super easy to do with anything, it has the same effects as heroin. Very high-level opium feeling. The side effects also are the same. People have been taking this and trying to get off are now experiencing the nausea, the shivers, the chills, the aches, the the agony to try to get off. Flu-like symptoms is a word that's used and it's baloney.
1: Ten times worse.
0: Oh, so Kratom, we're going to talk about it because there's some serious challenges. Because it's not yet recognized as being illegal, guess what happens? It's not recognized by insurance. So if you have a problem with Kratom, they don't cover your ability to go get help at a hospital or a treatment facility. And there's other ones coming out like that. So we're going to get into that later on. Yes. But I want to get back on track of celebrating 16 years is cool. Yeah. Everyone looks at it. And I do think, you know, people have commented that it's hard to relate, right?
1: Yes. Yes. I think I think that's the main thing that we want to accomplish today. Of course, we want to talk about 16 years is a big deal and props to you, babe, for for coming so far. But... I do feel like there's this like massive gap and people look at us and they're like, Oh my gosh, like they're perfect. Like, how did they get there? You know, this, this is unattainable. And I, I, I can see how that it could feel that way. So I, we really, really want to talk about the truth of what the first five years were truly like.
0: Yeah. It's hard because I do know there's a lot of parents or spouses out there that want to, for their loved one, what I have now. And because truthfully, for the most part, life is great. Like, do we butt heads?
1: Sure, yes. I think
0: it's a lot more than butt heads. Yeah, sometimes I I You're scary sometimes. Yeah,
1: I want to like- Threaten my life. to the train station and (sighs) be
0: here. It's a true story. (laughs) But for the most part, life is beautiful. I mean, we got chickens and a cat and kids and some peace in our life a little bit. Yeah. Like living the dream. So sometimes people think, oh my gosh, that's what I want for my- for my spouse yeah, or for my, my child be there yet. It seems impossible because everyone loves to tell their story when they're standing where I am right now. Right. But no one loves to tell their story when what they're in the thick of it. Yep. Everyone who enters recovery, I don't care how progressed their addiction got, how bad it got the, the criminal charges that stacked up on them, the financial ruin that built up around them. It's going to be extremely difficult because for the first time, they're going to have to feel yep. without an escape without a comfort blanket or a bandaid, they're going to have to feel just to give a little insight at the beginning of my journey. Everyone knows how bad it got. If you don't, it got bad. I was using drugs recklessly shooting them in different veins of my body, sniffing, snorting, smoking, anything you could do. Sent me down a really bad path. I was basically left for dead. Well, when I got into recovery, when I finally said, okay, I'm going to put a foot forward, I'm going to try. Whoa. Yeah. The process was incredible. The process, let me just give you a real quick rundown. I think it was two weeks of medical detox sitting in a facility, basically like a loony bin, where I actually had ripped every fingernail off my body going through the most excruciating withdrawals. Now, fast forward 16 years later, technology's improved, and they have a lot of good tapers and medications that help people get off. But I was soiling myself, shivering and shaking for about two weeks. Got sent to a treatment center. I was so uncontrollably physically sick that they sent me back to the hospital. I was there for another week till I was stable enough to go back to the treatment center where I spent four months, four months, 24 hours a day, residential care, going through a program, working through all my stuff, learning to eat healthy, learning to sleep healthy. After that, I'd been in the program long enough. They're like, "Okay, hey, you need to move on. I went to a, a sober living house, started working an outpatient program, got a part-time job. I still had court dates looming. So I had to go to court after I'd already done all of this and face some charges that I had. These were drug possession charges. And when I got busted, when I walked into court, it looked like Al Capone, like the, the rap sheet on the court. I still remember it on the courthouse. I had like six different charges, four of which were felonies. And if <laughs> to give you some humor in this, all of that was derived from about $30 worth of drugs. Cause I was so poor. I was homeless, poor with nothing, but each drug, even if you have like a grain of salt worth of cocaine or, or maybe a popcorn kernel worth of heroin or something, I'm talking like the yeah. tiniest, you, you drop it and on the ground and you'd lose it. That is a possession felony felony. Yeah. So <laughs> I had about $30 of drugs on me and it equated to like three or four different felony charges. So I still went to court. I just got sidetracked. I'm sorry. <laughs> The judge is like, oh, I'm grateful you've done what you've done so far. Wow, well, congratulations, but I don't care. Boom. Now, i had been going to adult parole and probation with a probation officer, and what they do is they give the, the judge a recommendation. So they looked at my whole life, did an analysis of it, my criminal history, and realized that I wasn't a threat, and this was a first-time charge and all that stuff. They recommended to the judge probation, but he threw it out the window, slammed the hammer, and I got sentenced to a year in jail.
1: Boo. Saved your life. That was hell. Yes. I had to do it. Yep.
0: In order to get out of jail, I served many months and got out just before a year because I was going into a CATS program. What was that? Well, that's used to call it CATS program. It stood for something, but I got put an ankle monitor on my ankle. I had to show up to the jail. We're talking now I'm six months in to my recovery. And I had to go to the jail every morning at 5.30 for roll call, pee in a cup with two officers staring at me from a foot away. Then I had to go in a van to different designated places in my state, and I'd pick up garbage on the side of the road. We'd clean up parks, wearing these orange reflector things in our jumps, just looking like the thing you see in the movie. And I did that for several months. And in order to stay out of jail and be able to sleep at my house, you'd have to go to a program all day. So you'd go work all day, and then you come out and you go to a program. and it's another rigorous nine-month program through the state I, i'm sure you're bored of hearing my story now but every step of the way was excruciating
1: yeah and was, by the way i didn't know danny at this point like no. i wasn't a part of his life at this time
0: and thank goodness because it wasn't until shortly after that i met you and it was just barely not a monster but it was very difficult so I know my story is different than your loved ones and anybody else's. But the moral to the story here is they all have a difficult road ahead.
1: Yeah. And, and a long a long road ahead.
0: A long road ahead. No quick fix. I just introduced a drug. Sure, you can go find a drug or a band-aid. Go to a doctor. He'll give you this or that. There's certain things that anyone will do to help you for the moment. but. In order to recover, my journey is no different than anyone else's. There's a process that's extremely difficult.
1: And it's there aren't shortcuts in it either. No. Like, there's no. no like, oh, we can skip that one. There, You you cannot do that.
0: You can't. So it's not like I just decided to get clean. I went to a treatment center in 30 days. I walked out and I'm just like, I'm so ready for life.
1: Yeah. I mean, you had done that before and then.
0: Yeah, I fell on my face.
1: You wound up You're right. back there.
0: Yeah. But when you do decide to do it and you're going to do it and face it, it's going to be hard. I share that for what reason? What does that help? Someone or something's going to have to hold your loved one accountable. Okay. In my case, it was two way Mm -hmm. for the first period of time. I had a family that was willing to help me because I was doing what I was supposed to, but I was being held accountable by who?
1: A judge. The judge, the
0: courts. If I didn't do this, this, and this, I had to go sit back in a cell. I wasn't doing that. That was terrible. That's not a place that a mama's boy like me is supposed to be. Still, still is just, I can't believe it even happened. Yeah. Out of body experience. I had to follow what the court said to do. It was difficult, but they were holding me accountable. What would happen if I had a dirty, if I went and peed in a cup and it was, didn't come back clean? I get thrown right back in jail. If I didn't show up for the program to go pick up garbage and serve like I supposed to or go to my group meetings through the state, I went back to jail.
1: The thing is, is that structure saved your life. I mean, that that's the fact you were so fragile still, even though you were clean, that if that rigid, rigid structure were not in place, you would have gone. it. yeah, the direction.
0: only alternative is this is a family effectively learning how to do that. Yes. Okay. Because I was doing it out of fear of consequence that can keep you clean. But what it cannot do is help you recover.
1: Yes. We're going to to talk, talk about that. Yes, we're
0: going to talk about that difference. But there were certain aspects I had to do. Now, if your loved one isn't facing criminal charges, I can guarantee you they are not out living life large. They're not balling. They don't have a huge savings account. Listen, their addiction always over time leads to a point where they're in financial ruin. They're in a bad place. They're getting real desperate. They might need a place to live. They're begging you not to leave. There's a myriad of challenges that they're facing. So whether or not it's criminal or not, they need someone to hold them accountable. And I don't care if they're 17 years old or 37 years old. Yeah. Someone's going to have to hold them accountable for most people. It's often easier when it is a judge, right? right? Because there's that rigid, rigid structure to get them started. Like it was for me, if not a family must be that. And it's not fair no one no one wants to do that, and really no one knows how to do that That's what I spend my time mostly helping yeah, people figure that, that's out that's what
1: our program is
0: is not only how to how how do you effectively intervene with your loved one but how do you
1: how do you become them? that that support and like what does that look like for you and what does it mean for you and what boundaries does that mean and I mean there's so many things and here
0: what I want to touch on and then I want your perspective like not to call you out, but I want you to tell them the perspective of what it was like as a wife with your husband, who's what was that a year and a half into recovery?
1: Not even, no. Not okay, even. a
0: year into recovery. So what was that like as a wife? But I wanna tell everybody, my parents, right? Here I am, I don't know, is it 30 years old or 29 or something like that, I can't remember, I'm getting old. Yeah, 29. But still at an age where parents would be like, come on, do you got your shit together? Oh, I'm sorry, sorry mom. You got your stuff together like, you're 30 years old, like we shouldn't be babysitting this process. <laughs> If they didn't, I would have been dead. Yes. So there's their perspective. And I do want to shed light on their perspective. I can't speak for them, but everything they did for me, whether it was helping me with maybe car insurance or food money or caring for a dog or just anything. Yeah. Inviting me on family tri- trips or doing just some nice gesture. There's lots of different ways. It's not always money. They did every one of those things to help. Yeah. Based upon what?
1: What you were doing
0: based upon me doing what was expected and yeah. required. Yep. So you can either do it for your loved one, you can do it for the courts and the judge, or in my case, you can do it for both.
1: Yeah.
0: One segued into the other, yep. and that's what it took for me. But I just want you to explain, and yeah. you can. Call, I don't care, you don't have to hold back.
1: No, here's the thing. You don't have
0: to be nice. Like I've You can had, say how hard it was. I've
1: had more than a dozen people talk to me about this and just kind of want to know like, how did that work? Like, how was it, you know, what, what was it like being married to Danny like that early into his recovery? And I'll, I will, I'm going to be totally honest. We started to see a, um, like a marriage counselor right off the bat,
0: which was awesome. And we should start doing that again. She,
1: yeah, it was so helpful, but she literally was like, Danny shouldn't be in a marriage. Like he has no business being married. Like he, he, he. I'm just gonna tell you right now, I didn't like, know that he shouldn't be married. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> She's right. She was right. And and sh- and and so she was like, this this is I I don't even know how this is gonna be possible with what like how infant he is right now emotionally. Like he is an emotional infant. So like I don't know how you're gonna need to come and talk to me one on one. Wow, like, you
0: must have been really attracted to me.
1: Yeah, that was it. Gosh. Yeah. No, it was literally like, it was scary. Like I was like, whoa, okay. I, you know, it, it was, and honestly, it manifested itself rather quickly when we got married on, you know, when he would feel exposed and how that manifested in our relationship was ugly. It was scary. It was raw. It was
0: like what? What's some examples? Chaotic.
1: Chaotic. Um, I mean, and even like, it's funny because we got married, we're members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We got sealed in the temple and I think people assume like, Oh, they got sealed. Like everything was perfect. Like, you know, no, trying to get my husband to sit through 30 minutes of church at that time, even 30 minutes sitting in a chapel without him, you could see his legs shaking. Like how fast can I run out of this building? That's where we started. He could not make it through one hour of church without running out and feeling like I don't belong here. This is crazy. You know, even though like all of that, like he had been through this whole process of like recovery and repentance and all this, like the reality of it and doing it every week was excruciating. And here I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like how are we ever going to have like this kind of family that I dreamed of, of like. We go to church and everything's fine. And we we have this like more well-oiled machine going on. I'm telling you, it took years to get to that point.
0: Okay. So what gave you the comfort? Like when it was hard? Because it was hard. It was even hard dealing with the relationship. Like I was still trying to figure out how to deal with myself. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But to throw in this dynamic, edgy woman. Yeah. And that challenged me at times. So I know I didn't respond well and I didn't act well. And yeah. I didn't But was it the proof was in the pudding? Meaning- well,
1: here, here's here's the fact I had to make a decision at a certain point am I gonna stay or am I gonna go because it was hard and here's what made me understand how to stay or why I, I chose to stay his willingness to acknowledge the pain he was causing me or the struggles he was having were, he was so malleable. In other words, he would have these massive meltdowns or or tantrums like where he was, you know, obviously struggling and he would almost immediately come back and say, whoa, that's not, okay, I didn't handle that right. I want to do better. That was wrong. I'm working on this. His transparency and his humility in, in saying, I'm not there yet. This is my goal and I'm so far from it, but hang on with me. This is what I want to give you. I know I'm not giving it to you right now. I want to get there. Please be patient with me. It was so, it was so real. And I myself have struggled with completely separate issues, but I'm the same where I'm like, I'm not I'm not being who I wanna be right now or I don't feel how I wanna feel right now, but I trust that I can get there. And when I saw that in him, that willingness, that humility and the work was there, he didn't just say it, then he would be like, I'm going to counseling this week or I'm continuing to go to my meetings or I'm addressing this issue with my, you know, my therapist or whatever. It was always, I'm, I'm saying what I need, I, I'm gonna express, where I failed and then I'm going to put the work in and then we're gonna take another baby step forward and then maybe we have one back but then I'm gonna keep going forward. That was the difference. And it's all the difference in the world because if you have somebody that fails and doesn't care that they fail
0: or, or can't it.
1: admit that they fail and, do- and sees your pain and won't acknowledge it, then you have a very serious problem. But if you have somebody that said I failed you I know I failed you. I know that I want to be this certain person. And I know that's who I am down deep inside. But right now I can, I'm not there yet. Please be patient with me. I can be patient with you. Can
0: I add one thing to that? Because yes. that is true. But simultaneously, I was still following some sort of guidelines and programs of accountability. 100%. Right? You so, were so my still accountability with you was different. And you know what? I'm really glad you stayed.
1: Thank you. I am too. Yeah, I don't regret it. Okay, good. I don't. Stay. But I'm telling Next you. Next week, remember the same thing. Yes, I but
0: will. But I had to be accountable to you. Yes. Emotionally. Yes. But I also had to be accountable for a very long time.
1: To a program. To a
0: program, which required me to go to meetings, which required me to do some effort and recovery, which required me to have clean tests. Your tests once in a while. Yes. That both were needed. Yes. Both were needed.
1: Yeah, you, you had to do both. And to see somebody struggle through that process is to truly see their soul and, and how valuable it is because he was literally being, still being pulled in two directions. Satan was still trying to pull him back down to what he knew best, and, and God was trying to lead him up to becoming who he always was and who he was meant to be, and it was a struggle. It was a tug of war for years
0: it was and and truthfully the first year of that i still had issues with with tobacco yep had issues with pornography pornography. had i given up all the illegals like heroin cocaine alcohol marijuana of course
1: yes yes
0: but they were still it's like shedding those last little layers so today's message is your loved one has a a difficult road ahead
1: yes and you have a difficult road ahead of you if you love them.
0: If you love them. And so it's understanding that you get to, and I always share this with people. Here's is, here is the piece that you should get. If you want to know how to support them, if you want to know that you're helping and not enabling, if you want to know that you're not going to get your heart stabbed, all of your love and effort should be based upon what? A program they are following that's either enforced by you A program or the courts. Yes. I always highly recommend a program, man. If you can get there, that's where the, that's where the money is. Yep. Because why? If they're in a long-term program, let's say they're in a year of out of you require that they go to a year or six months, let's say six months of outpatient. Yes. What happens in that six months? You do not have to do what you don't have to babysit. You don't have to be the judge. You don't have to be the detective if in that 6 months they get kicked out or they're no longer going to their program one of one of three things happened. one they quit which is a major red flag two they didn't attend their groups and they got kicked out or three they had a, a a dirty test yeah if they don't leave their group you get to allow them to be a human it's the greatest gift for you of course it's going to help them but it's the greatest gift for you to know that, you know what? My loved one's doing it today. He looks agitated. He looks, he looks crazy. Like I'm not going to let my mind slip. He's not using, uh, he's not doing anything. Why? Because he can't, if he keep, if he stays in the, in the group, right? There has to be structure you guys. And it's confusing. Anyone who thinks they're going to go do this on their own without professional help. well, my hat's off to you. Yeah. Yeah. Because trying to navigate through that process, if you've not ever been through it and have someone's perspective on what it actually takes It's just going to be failure after failure. Yeah. We're going to end by just talking about the difference between staying clean and a recovery. Yes. When I was stuck in jail, when I was in a cat's program, I was mad. I was bitter, angry at the world. I had a little bit of hope. All I was doing was staying clean. It's everything after that taught me how to recover. And the difference is God. Anybody can go to do certain structure. They can go to jail. People go to jail and they've been like, I've been clean for five years. I'm like, You've been in the same prison cell for five years. Yeah. You're clean, but you're not what? Recovered. Yeah. With just today with a woman, her son, was in a facility. It's a very, very strict, like boot camp type facility. People go there trying to get out of prison sentences, but it's extremely difficult wake up at a certain time, fold your bed a certain way. Don't talk, don't talk back. Don't drop a wrapper on the ground, like super rigid. Yeah. The program is awesome because it helps people who are coming from difficult circumstances, stay clean, get some structure in their life. But what it does not do is allows them to recover. There's a huge difference. Yeah. You can stay clean. You can bite down on a stick. You can do what's necessary. You can have certain consequences in place if you mess up and stay clean, but you don't become. I stood up on that stage Monday night, 16 years clean and realized I would never be who I am today had I not gone through that. But man, it almost killed me.
1: Yeah. And it almost killed me.
0: The process of recovery is a difficult road. That one, they have to come to believe in a power greater than themselves, which is God. They have to learn that, be, that they can be forgiven. They have to learn how to articulate their feelings and process their feelings and do all that. And it's going to be difficult. So if it's at all possible to have this fairytale ending like I did, It's going to require your help and support, but it has to be informed. Yes. You have to know how to support them. If you just throw it out and just hope that they figure it out on their own, it will never work.
1: Amen. And if you love someone, if this is your husband and you are seeing their human weaknesses right and left and you are feeling like hopeless that things will ever get better, I, I really, really do want you to understand what he just said. I watched Danny be clean. He was clean when I married him. He's recovered now. And watching that process, it took, it did take years. And it was the most beautiful process. I'm grateful that I've, I've seen it because his transformation was slow, It was so slow, but it was the most beautiful thing to see him accepting forgiveness, relearning how to love himself, and what that did was open up new windows and doors in a way that could have never happened. Again, yes, you can bite down on a stick and stay clean, but the process of recovery is where you get your spouse back where you well, they get, get the
0: best version of them.
1: Yes, that that and that takes work and it takes so much faith on your part. But it is so worth it. So when you're in the middle of it, do not panic that certain things are happening.
0: As long as
1: as long as they
0: do what they're supposed they to be doing, are
1: continuing showing up, yep,
0: doing their program. There's no there's no secret as to why the courts are overwhelmed, these corrections facilities, jails, prisons all over the world are They're overrun. They're at max capacity. It's because people in these situations, they want it. They want to change their life, but they fail. The missing piece is you. Yes. The family who needs to understand how to support, how to do this without crippling them. Yes. And that just requires help.
1: And you guys, we are, we're beta testing our brand new program right now and it will be ready. um, Middle of May. We'll be having, you know, uh, we'll let all of you guys know exactly when that happens, but, that program, if you're like, oh my gosh, that's what I need. That's what our program well, is. And what
0: we ask you to do is go to the website, share it with your friends. There's a free masterclass, yes. which we've created, and you go sign up for that. It explains what the program is. Yes, if you so have you any doubts log. of how it works, if it works for you, if it's good for you, if it applies to you, start there, and we'd love to hear your feedback.
1: Yeah, we'd love it.
0: Have a great week and enjoy your...
1: Happy 16th, That's Danny. right.
0: Okay, thank you.
1: <laughs> Bye.